we are a tired, stressed out, workaholic culture. Is not our exhaustion a sign of our inability to rest? It comes so hard for us. We go, go, go. Go, go, go. And we just don't stop. And we, we push ourselves and we, we push our kids and we push our spouses and anyone who we can take with us. And we just live a, a feverish pace. And we brag about the long hours that we're working and hectic schedules we keep and how we haven't had a day off in weeks. And, and then we complain about how tired we are and how we need a break. We're trying to do it all, trying to fit it all in. And we carry anxiety and then we carry stress and we just get tired. We have products now to boost our energy so that we don't have to stop at all. So though we don't need to sleep. We just keep going, going, going. Uh, we may be exhausted, but we will be darned if we're going to give in to those cries from our body that are telling us to stop and rest. Five hour, whatever. Let's just keep pounding it down. I can keep going. You know, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has named insomnia now as a full-blown health epidemic. We can't sleep. We have sleep disorders. We're not sleeping well. We're not sleeping enough. Sleep is now an industry. It's big business. It is a $32 billion industry in this nation. Sleep. We can't rest. We just can't rest. How many of our illnesses, how many of our physical breakdowns are a result of overwork and crowded schedules? I'm told that the Chinese word for busyness is a combination of two characters, the character for heart and the character for killing. We pay a deep price for our busyness. And how much of our work is not really to pay the bills, but, you know, it's, it's to maintain a lifestyle. And how many of us feel like, you know, we've just never done enough and we aren't good enough until we've accomplished all this stuff and, all that our imaginations tell us that we're supposed to accomplish. We check email. We stay electronically connected to everyone and everything all day long, never shutting off our devices, and so we never shut off ourselves. One person referred to this as time illness. We have time illness. We don't have free time because we're always plugged in. Yet. Yet. There is a day that God has given us completely to rest. And it's called the Sabbath. The fourth commandment tells us to keep the Sabbath. And keeping the Sabbath is more than a negotiable, negotiable biblical principle. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. It's one of the ten. Uh, the Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat. It means rest. That's what the word means. But more specifically, the word means to stop. To stop, to, to stop from doing. That's what Sabbath, Shabbat means. When you Sabbath, you stop. And you stop in order to rest. To allow the body, to allow the mind, to allow the senses to be replenished. To be refreshed. To be restored a little bit. And God has commanded that we do this 
If we're tired, let's not blame God. He's given us a day. He's given us a commandment to rest. So don't blame him. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Holy just means to be set apart. Holy just means it's different. Uh, We often think of places like a church as holy, or we think of things like this says the Holy Bible on it, or or communion. We think of those things and places as holy. But you know, the first time that the word holy is ever used in the Bible is in reference to time. God creates the world in six days, and the seventh day he creates, and he calls that day, 24 hours, holy. That's the first time holy is used in God's word. God commands And he says there are six days that are provided to do all our work. Now, is six days realistic to accomplish everything that we need to accomplish? I tell you what. If we can't get our work done in six days, then I'll even give us a 60-hour work week, okay? Take 60 hours. What does it say about our workload if we can't do it? Or what does it say about my sense of self-importance? Or what does it say about maybe who I'm working for? what they're doing for me. The seventh day is different. It's holy. Uh, It is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. That's what makes the Sabbath different from just a day off, from vacation, uh, or just um, a break. It is a time of rest that is connected directly to our relationship with the Lord who is our God. And it will in some way honor him. It will involve him. And it is because of him. Now, a day off, a weekend is totally different concept, and that can be done by anyone. A Sabbath is different. To keep Sabbath is to show we belong to God. It's to show we are sustained by him, and it's a mark of belonging to him and having a relationship with him. The reason that, the sa- the, that is given for stopping from our work on the Sabbath day is because it says the Lord created the world and everything in it in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. God rested. He didn't work. Walter Brueggemann is a name I've shared before. He's an Old Testament Bible teacher, and I've just got through reading his new book on the Sabbath uh, to help me with this series of sermons. His his book on the Sabbath is called uh, Sabbath as Resistance, Saying No to the Culture of Now. And in it, he points out that in that fourth commandment, we learn that the Lord... The Lord is not an workaholic. The Lord stopped from work. He rested. He was not anxious about creation functioning and being okay if he stopped and sat down for a day. God didn't seem to think that the well-being of the world just depended on him working endlessly, endlessly. God enjoyed a work stoppage. And he didn't show up to do more. He didn't sneak into the office. He didn't come and check creation out out of anxiety to see if everything was still working. God had complete confidence in the process of creation, and he knew it would hold. You know, I suppose if God needed a day of rest, maybe I do too. You think? And he's given one to us. And if I don't take a day of rest, am I taking myself too seriously? The commandment tells us we're not only to rest, but everyone in our household, our family, workers, our animals, Aliens, which could mean guests that are with us. Our animals rest. My cat, he rests every day. He has Sabbath down. You ought to see him. Oh, man, he has Sabbath down. When I'm trying to figure out Sabbath, I just look at him. Say, man, you you got it, man. 
The commandment says, even your manservant or your maidservant should rest on that day. Now, I know we, oh, we give all our servants, the butlers, the chauffeurs, the cooks, everybody, the whole staff in our house on the Sabbath. They get a rest. I'm sure you do too with your staff, right? Yeah. The point of the Sabbath is this all-encompassing desire at the heart of God for all people and all things to rest for a day when everyone and everything stops. Last summer, Nancy and I were in the Holy Land. We were in Jerusalem in one Saturday morning, which is the Sabbath day for Jewish people. Begins at sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. We, uh, we decided to go into the old city and just start walking. We didn't know where we were going, so we took the Arab bus into the old city, and we started meandering, and we found ourselves, not surprisingly, in the heart of an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. And as we walked around on that Shabbat, one of the first things you notice of, in Jerusalem on Shabbat is how quiet it is because everything and everyone stops. I took this picture because this is normally an inner, this is a major intersection in Jerusalem. It is usually bustling with cars and people and taxis and buses and things going on and noise. This is the Sabbath day. And notice on Shabbat, nothing. Those cars you see over there, they're parked. Nothing is happening. Jewish people take the Sabbath very seriously. Now, you can accuse them of being a little legalistic about it, but make no mistake, when the Sabbath comes, they stop and they rest that whole day. Shopping and food is prepared the day before. Uh, stores, businesses, they all close. No one drives. The Jewish bus system stops. Doesn't run. You see people, you see families out walking to the synagogue for their times of worship, going to one another's homes, relaxing, talking, sharing food together. It is very peaceful and it is very restful. Jesus said, Jesus said that all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens should come to him and that he will give rest. He invites us to take his yoke Learn from him, and we will find rest for our souls. Because he's gentle, he's humble in heart, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Dale Bruner translates those verses from Matthew that we read like this. Come here to me, all of you who are working hard and carrying too much, and I will refresh you. Here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and simple at heart. And you will experience refreshing deep down in your lives. See? You see, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What was Jesus referring to when he was talking about yokes? He may have been referring to the heavy taxation system that was put upon the people by the Roman Empire, which forced people to work long, hard, everyday hours just to meet the outrageous demands of the empire. It was an oppressive, wearying life and much like what people experience in countries that are under oppressive regimes right now. Or, by the yoke, Jesus may have been referring to the endless requirements of a religious system that just had too many rules. Jesus will later say that the Bible teachers and the religious leaders, he says, tie up heavy loads and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift one finger to help them. You know, twice in these verses, Jesus mentions Rest. 
And that rest is found, he says, by coming to him. He says, come to me. Come to me. Jesus gives us rest. Rest from, from our sins and our guilt by giving his life on the cross. Jesus gives us rest by freeing us from having to earn our way with God. We don't. He gives us rest in the grace that God loves us and that we are valuable, we are of worth, whether we accomplish anything or not. He gives us rest that is deep and that we can know in our souls. It's like Augustine's ancient prayer that went like this. God, our souls are restless until they rest in you. Jesus asks us to experience this by taking his yoke upon us. Now, a yoke is a walking instrument, not a sitting instrument. We learn Jesus' rest as we walk with him in our lives every day. Now, for some of us, the first step of entering that Sabbath rest is to enter into relationship with the rest giver, Jesus Christ. And we enter that relationship, not just by intellectually saying, yeah, I believe in him, but by surrendering our lives. Every aspect of it, a surrender to him, our working, our career, our parenting, our, our schooling, our retirement, our recreating, our earning. That is what lordship means, to live under someone else who is our Lord, to live under another. Now, in many ways, our honoring the fourth commandment about the Sabbath has everything to do with the God that we choose and serve. You know, the commandments begin. The first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. And God is pretty serious about that. And every one of the Ten Commandments just merely undergird that one commandment. So if I ignore the Sabbath, I ask myself, who is my God? Because there are plenty of Pharaoh and Egyptian brick-making systems that we can find ourselves under. You know, if you read the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, which is the other place where this commandment is found, there's a different reason for keeping the Sabbath. It is because the Jews were slaves in Egypt and they were delivered by the Lord. They had no rest. They were slaves. They had to work every day making bricks every day. You know, a lot of our modern business practices are following that same spirit of ancient Egypt. Make more, produce endlessly, work harder or else. And whether we're the worker at the bottom of the ladder or whether we are at the top of the company, we find ourselves in a system that demands of us endlessly. And we've just gone along with it for a lot of different reasons. You know, even our athletics for our young people has seduced us, has seduced its way into the Sabbath. You be at practice or else. And then who and what are we serving? When we remember the Sabbath day, we honor our limits. We honor our physical limits, our emotional limits, our spiritual limits. The Sabbath day is a day to remind ourselves, you know what? God is in charge. Not me, not anybody else. God's in charge. Sabbath is a resistance to more and more. And the false promises broadcast to us that if we work harder and longer, we'll be happier and we'll be more secure. On Sabbath, we stop and we remember that we were created for and that we belong to God and that he is our Lord. And so we rest, we sleep, we read, we enjoy relationships, we worship. When we practice Sabbath, we honor God and the relationship for which he made us and that he wants to enjoy us. And I want us to learn how to do Sabbath. And to accept this gift of rest from God. 
So I want you to mark the Sunday, September 28th. And this will be the only time I'm going to let you do this. You can take out your iPhones now. You can take out your stuff and put, get it on your calendar right now. Sabbath Sunday, September 28th. I'm going to tell you what this is going to look like and what it's going to be about. I want us to make Sunday, September 28th a Sabbath day. You know, we're going to hear a lot uh, different things about the Sabbath in, in these weeks over this sermon series. And we need to be able to put it into practice. And we're going to start right here at MOPC, right at our church. On that Sunday, you will notice when you come, many things will be different that Sunday. Uh, many things that we normally do will not happen. There are you know, many people who come on Sundays, and they really work very hard in this church to help us on Sundays. And we're going to try to give them a rest. Uh, there won't be Sunday school that day. We want to give our Sunday school teachers a rest. Our musicians, uh, a lot of them are going to be taking a rest. Our ushers, others, we want them to all be able to rest on that Sabbath Sunday. The worship service, it'll be scaled down. It'll kind of be minimal, no less meaningful, but minimal. The music will be very simple. There won't even be projections so that we can give the good people who do that just a Sunday off. There won't be any Sunday school that morning. Our teachers can rest. Bring your own coffee. Our ushers aren't going to make coffee. They're not going to have to clean it up. Okay? We're going to try to scale down as much as possible so everyone can Sabbath and be refreshed. And then, on that day, I want all of us, whatever our family, home situation, I want you to make it a day of rest for you and or your family. And, of course, your servants and everybody who works for you do that too. Don't work that day. If you can, I'll help us. I'll talk more about that if if you have a job. But don't go shopping. Don't don't, uh, do that stack of paperwork. Don't mow the lawn. Don't do homework. Now, don't go home and say, Pastor Phil said I didn't have to do homework that day. Get it done before, young people. Don't go into the office. Don't check your emails. Don't sneak it. If you're going to get together with friends or family, try to cook that the day before so that the food preparation is just a snack the next day. Plan things that will help you rest that day. Uh, Take a drive. Go out to eat. Take a nap. If gardening helps you rest, I don't know, then do that. Read a book, do a puzzle, play a board game, listen to music, play with your children. Have a long, leisurely meal with friends, whatever will help you enjoy that day and be refreshed. This is so strange. We're so unaccustomed to it uh, that we need to be intentional about it. And that's why I'm giving a heads up now. It's going to take us about seven weeks to, I think, get into a mindset that we should do this. And you're going to have to plan it ahead of time, I guarantee you. Let's begin to learn how Sunday can be a Sabbath for us so that we're not Sabbath breakers, but that we are Sabbath keepers, Sabbath honorers. September 28th, it's going to kind of be a practicum in this series. It'll be the seventh Sunday of this series. Imagine that, the seventh Sunday. It's an experiment. We'll see how it goes, okay? We'll do it together. It's an experiment. Uh, I want us to do this so that we can reclaim the Sabbath. It's not going to happen overnight because we've lost so much ground. We forfeited to this culture of more, this culture of now, this culture of production. But I hope we can begin to take some steps to remember the Sabbath. I know there's some obstacles you're already thinking about, saying, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about this? Uh, I'm going to keep talking about this each week and bring us a little bit closer along and address some of those things that I know are on your mind. 
Don't call me first thing tomorrow morning and say, what about this? What about that? I'll, I'll get there. I understand. Start today. Honor the Sabbath today. Go home and rest as best you can. It might not work out real great. I know that's okay, but it's something that will take time to grow if it hasn't been a practice in our life. Are we tired? Are we weary? Overworked, living way too fast. But God has given us a day called the Sabbath. It's a day to rest. And it is his gift to our tired, stressed out, exhausted lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we first of all thank you for your gracious gift of a, of a Sabbath day of rest. You are our creator who knows how we are made and you know that we need this. Forgive us for, forgive us for outright ignoring this commandment for too long. For seeking our own desires on this day. For not honoring you as our God by keeping the Sabbath. Help us to come to know the rich abundance that the Lord's day was designed to give to us. And help us to know the deep, deep rest of Jesus in our souls. And to surrender our lives to him. It is in his name that we pray.